Would you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts prepare us for the coming of your Son, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Preparing for Christ. Independence is generally considered a good thing. We respect those who are resourceful and able to overcome whatever obstacle they encounter. And our culture tends to have a greater appreciation for those individuals who manage to tackle the problems of life on their own. We admire the tough, determined pioneers who have unique visions and who find innovative ways to bring new ideas into reality. By the same token, this affinity for independence often leads us to try to work out all our problems on our own, only reluctantly accepting assistance when it's absolutely necessary. Perhaps part of the allure of independence is the freedom to address our personal issues in the time and manner in which we choose. Regardless, we eventually come face to face with obstacles that require us to seek assistance from others and accept our limitations. I think being confronted with our personal limitations is actually a good thing because it reminds us of our humanity and the importance of being available to others when they need us. We might even guess that this kind of interdependence is part of God's overall plan for humanity when we consider the assistance that God arranged for Jesus through the work of John the Baptist. Jesus came to earth as the Son of God. But God prepared Jesus and the people of Israel by first establishing the ministry of John the Baptist. John was a cousin of Jesus, who was about the same age. He was only about six months older than Jesus. While Jesus was fairly in a fairly middle-class family, John was born into a more elite family. His father, Zechariah, was a priest, and his mother, Elizabeth, was a descendant of Aaron, another family of priests. They were considered righteous people following all the Jewish commandments and regulations, but they reached an old age without having any children, a situation considered sort of embarrassing in ancient Jewish culture. The story of John's birth, however, is a story that's exciting, and it's a miraculous tale that reminds us of the birth of Isaac to Abraham. And to Sarah. Like Abraham and Sarah, Zechariah and Elizabeth were well beyond their normal childbearing years when they learned that they were about to have their very first baby. Zechariah, who was serving in his role as priest at the temple, was selected by law to go into the inner sanctuary of the Lord to offer incense. When he went in, he found an angel standing next to the altar of incense. Zechariah was terrified, of course, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children 
and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah replied, how will I know that this is so? For I'm an old man, and my wife is also getting on in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak until the day these things occur. Now, there were several people that were praying for Zechariah when he entered the sanctuary. And they started to become worried when he didn't come back out as soon as they expected. When he finally came out and he couldn't speak, they knew something special had just happened. Zechariah stayed at the temple for the allotted time, performing his duties as a priest, then went home to Elizabeth. Shortly after he returned home, Elizabeth conceived a child. Perhaps out of precaution for the baby or concern for how it might look or be thought of if she were to have a miscarriage, Elizabeth isolated herself for the first five months. You could say she had her own quarantine. But eventually she had the baby and her neighbors celebrated with her, realizing that God had done something wonderful for them. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him Zechariah, but Elizabeth said that the name should be John. Since Elizabeth and John didn't have any relatives, or sorry, Elizabeth and Zechariah didn't have any relatives named John, they checked with Zechariah. He asked for a tablet since he still couldn't speak. And he confirmed that the child name, child's name was to be John. Immediately, he gained his ability to speak and began praising God. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah then gave the prophecy that we just read earlier, fulfilling an earlier prophecy prophecy of Joel, another prophet, who earlier had foretold that God would pour out God's Spirit on all flesh. In that writing, it says, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Zechariah's message served as a beautiful bridge between what has happened in the past and what is to come with foretelling of the special role that his son John will play. This passage, commonly known as the Benedictus, starts with expressions of gratitude for what God has already done. God has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them, and God has raised up a mighty Savior for them from the house of David. God faithfully remembered the covenant he made to Abraham to make a great nation from him and to give the promised land to his descendants, just as we read in the book of Genesis. God was also faithful to David to establish his house as a kingdom forever, as recorded in 2 Samuel. Now the time has come now for the realization of a new covenant prophesied by the prophet Jeremiah. When God said to him, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. 
for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. John the Baptist will prepare the people for Jesus's message of salvation and introduce a new understanding of redemption. Indeed, the mark of the redeemed is to live out of the knowledge of God. And knowing Christ is to know God. Another characteristic of the Benedictus is the bridge between peace and the promises of salvation and redemption. We can't have redemption without peace because each is necessary for the realization of the other. Zechariah recalls the promise made to Abraham that God's people would eventually serve him without fear once they are rescued from their enemies. Then they would serve God in holiness and righteousness all their days. As the theologian Edward Schweitzer stated, the ultimate purpose of God's salvation presupposes deliverance from the enemy, but is, in fact, undisturbed worship. The end goal of salvation and redemption is continual dedicated worship of God, and this can only take place when there is peace. So how do we achieve peace? The Roman approach, known as Pax Romana, or peace of Rome, was through violence and intimidation. But peace achieved through strength is always vulnerable to the attack of one who is stronger. As Rome and every other society over history has discovered, there will always eventually be someone coming along who's a little stronger and a little faster. Peace through violence is unsustainable. Christ, on the other hand, taught his disciples to achieve peace through love. And he demonstrated the strength of that conviction through his resurrection. Christ endured the most brutal, violent death the Romans could conceive, yet was incapable of defeating him or keeping him down. Redemption and salvation through God's love was the message that Jesus offered to the world. And it was the message that John, that John prepared for the people of Christ. The Gospel of Matthew tells us that once John the Baptist grew up, he declared from the wilderness, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He preached a message of confession and repentance, and he inspired many people to change their ways. The Gospel of Matthew also tells us in the next chapter that when John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus began his own ministry and declared the very same message, saying, repeat, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The prophecy from Zechariah foretold that John would play a significant role in the ministry of Jesus, saying, you child will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. Although Jesus lived as the Son of God and defeated death alone on the cross, he had help from his cousin John as he prepared for his role as the Messiah. If it is reasonable for the Son of God to accept help in saving the world, and for John the Baptist to offer assistance to Christ in his early life, then perhaps we should also be open to receiving help as we journey through our lives and be willing to offer help to those who we encounter that need it. 
Our admiration of independence and self-reliance can impede our ability to recognize sometimes how interdependent we truly are. But as we learn to rely on and assist each other more, we build stronger relationships and we get to know each other better. And as we get to know each other more, we learn more about Christ and the image of God that resides within each and every one of us. It is through this knowledge of God that we find redemption and the path to peace. Through loving our neighbor and loving God, we help bring heaven a little closer and prepare the world for the coming Christ child. So I offer this suggestion this morning for this Advent season. Show a little more vulnerability and offer a little more love to those around you as a means of preparing for the coming of the Christ child. Amen.